Hello, fellow planeswalkers, and welcome to Into the Ether Vortex. My name is Ninjabor, your guide into all the different ways you can enjoy Magic the Gathering, and how they all come together into something wild, wacky, and a little bit magical. Whoever's doing well out there, it's been a busy month and a half since Dominary United released. As usual, we're going to do an episode on how my experience playing the set has been, mostly limited, about 50 drafts or so, as well as a couple of constructed decks I've been playing, and then some in-person events. Um, I did get the Warhammer 40k decks, and then Infinity also released, um, though, I ha though I haven't yet gotten my boxes from my friend who ordered them for me. Um, I'm actually, frankly, not really... I'm really just going after, I think, the showcase styles and the full art lands. Um, I haven't had a chance to go to my LGS to really play a draft there, unfortunately, and I don't think my my, my play group will uh, want to do Infinity when we can just play more Commander. Um, so yeah, and then, and then frankly, this one sticker mechanic and then two the actual uh, silver lack of a silver border is kind of off-putting to me, frankly. Um, you know, there's just something about it being an answer that makes me not also want to put the cards, even though they are Commander legal uh, in my Commander decks. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's not really there's not really any point. I was originally planning on doing a a distance to my decks. From Infinity, or or you know, um, I may end up eventually at some point updating my uh, my dice rolling cube with the stuff from Infinity, but uh, we'll see. Um. Now, that being said, I do have uh, another topic uh, for this show. Um, in addition to, you know, talking about Dominator United, um, while I am still playing Arena, um, there are two new mobile collectible card games, uh, CCGs, um, that I've been playing. Uh, one is Magic Branded, one's not. Uh, they've been scratching a sort of different itch than Magic has been, um, you know, having a sort of gameplay time, being able to do it on my phone, um, which, you know, while... You can play Arena on your phone. Um, I definitely want to draft on my computer um, just because it's easier to see picks, easier to reference 17 lands and even have my drafts recorded by 17 lands. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I definitely want something other than Arena on my phone at night. Um, so yeah, it scratches that itch. But we'll talk about those at the end of the episode. Um, in the meantime, let's talk about Dominary United. So going over useful stats for limited, for limited, uh, I started off September with a silver ranking um, after not playing all summer uh, for Alchemy Baldur's Gate. So you know, as usual, I ended up playing Premier first uh, in the season until I rank up to Platinum, um, which at that point my win rate is generally not good enough to get out of Platinum four. Um, so then I switched to traditional best of three, the you know a hope that I'll be able to maybe spike a couple drafts to get some uh, play points in here and there for eventually for a, a qualifier weekend. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in September, uh, it took me 18 drafts to go from the bottom of silver up to platinum. Um, and I also played two more out for Force of Habit, hitting that uh, premier draft button a bunch. So, you know, I ended up having 20 drafts for the month. Um, and then in October, uh, I ended up resetting to high silver. So it only took me seven drafts or so to get to platinum, especially since I had a better handle on the format by that point. Um, so I ended up playing uh, three more to go and even 30 drafts, though. Those were all 1-3 at the end. Um, Technically, I, one of these drafts were also another draft uh, before those last three was um, a 1-3, though uh, I, I maintain it was a pretty good deck uh, that would have gotten me to... Um to, to maybe maybe a little bit better of a record. If not, I had not disconnected from my computer, unfortunately. It was on the internet outage, um, which ended up costing me some games. So um, I'll count it still as 30 total drafts uh, premiere-wise. 
So overall, you know, looking at these uh, 30 games, uh, I had uh, 71 wins and 81 losses um, for these drafts. Um, two of these drafts ended up being trophy wins, um, um, both uh, either the draft that got me into Platinum for the month or the one right before. And this gives me a win rate of 44.9%, which frankly, one of my wor not as great performances, you know, out of these 30 drafts, I went 0-3 five times, 1-3 11 times, 2-3 one time, 3-3 and 4-3 and four, and four times each, 5-3 two times, 6-3 one time, and then of course my two trophies. Uh, if you convert this to an X3 win rate, you know, my my 44.9%, uh, that's something going like 2.45 to 3 uh, on average in a set, which is, you know, definitely a losing record. Um a little bit less than even. Uh, you know, color-wise, you know, it was pretty close. Uh, green had a bit of a slight lead, 16 drafts total. Uh, blue had 14, white and black had 13, and then red had 12 drafts. Uh, win rate rise, red was my best color, 34-35 for a 49.28% win rate. Uh, green came in second, 40-46 in games to 46.51% win rate. White had 29-39, so third for 43.28% win rate. Uh, blue had fourth, 28-39, um, uh, 41.6%. 79% win rate, and then black brings up the rear with 40%, 26-39 win rate. Uh, Splash-wise, out of the 30 decks, uh, blue was my most splashed. I had six decks, uh, black had four, red and white had two each, and then no splashing for green, uh, which makes sense given that green is the color for, that you want to be when you are splashing as opposed to splashing for green. Looking at specific color pairs in Premiere um, or tricolor, since this set did support uh, going even up to five colors if you wanted to, though you could do want to do be a base two color generally, and this doesn't include kicker cost as splashing. I was actually able to play every two color pair at least once, uh, straight Simic and Is It Only Once, uh, Boros, Azorius, Demir twice, and then everything else uh, three times. Uh, going above two colors, I actually went Soltai three times, Bant twice, and Teamer once, uh, which makes sense since you know these are all basically base, si base Simic with a couple, may maybe not you know mo more than three cards for sure, but definitely, or maybe double splashing for, or double pipped cards, um, so that it wouldn't be quite a splash. Um, but you know that definitely makes up for the lack of, of playing is of Simic, and I played Jeskai once, which is basically uh, red, blue plus white, basically some white cards, basically. So you know these are small sample sizes, uh, so it's hard to say one color pair is more winning than the other. I mean, looking at some outliers, you know, technically I had zero wins with my straight Simic and Demir, and then among the three color pairs, you know, uh, I had the most success with Golgari at sixteen wins, and then uh, seven or three the color pairs with three with playing uh, three games. Golgari had sixteen wins and seven losses, uh, mostly do it being one of my two trophy decks actually however that's not the whole story this is just premiere um and that is 30 of those drafts but i then as, as i noticed switched to traditional for the rest of each season i ended up doing 20 drafts over the course of the set um or rather uh there was one draft where uh th th there was such a train wreck i ended up dropping after the first game so i'm not counting that draft in these numbers so these are out of 19 total uh, overall i went 27 and 30 and matt's count at a 47.37 win win count uh, which is better than my premiere ra ra rating um if you look at game rating it does come down a bit though still above premiere game rating rating 46.9% uh, with a 68.77 games total or about equivalent of going 3.5 to 4 over the course of three game matches. Um, I ended up having two three O's, you know, two trophies, um, and then four two ones and the vast majority uh, being one threes uh, and then a single O three. 
um, or one two rather, and then a single O three. That O three was a one six, so I did not have any O uh, six uh, games, fortunately. Uh, mean otherwise, you know, my trophies were either a super easy six O or a nail biting six three. Um, for my one twos, the ranges were from you know two 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 fives, one three four, uh, six five sixes, which is my most common result. Um, definitely like kind of like riding that line of going like uh, two like um, like like. Um, uh, like like we're getting really really close, but then you know not being able to close it out, um, and then uh, and then uh, um, that, that and then uh, uh, and then two um, what's it and then two four two four fours. Um, I going one 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 two one two two o. Oh. Uh, on my two ones, I had four four three two four threes one four four. So two one two one o oh, two, and then one each of a five two and then a five four. Uh, Color-wise, you know, while in Premiere, I played red, green, and red the, the least. Uh, red here was my uh, green the most, and red the least. Here, red was my most played, and green was my least played. Red had eleven games, blue had ten games, white nine games, green six games, and then black a measly three games. Well, you sixteen percent. Win rate rise for matches. Uh, green ended up being my most winning at nine to ten, or forty-seven point three seven percent, just ahead of red's forty-seven point oh six, sixteen eighteen in uh, game in matches. Uh, blue comes in third, fourteen seventeen or. 45.16, while white and black are tied with white at 12.15 and black 4.5 or 44.44 in matches. Uh, going to, to uh, game game rates, uh, green was still on top, uh, 23.24 for a 48.94% win rate. Uh, black was actually right behind it, uh, 11.12 for a 47.83 win rate. Uh, red was 47.56, uh, 39.43. Um, blue was in fourth, 46.75%, and then red was 43.38 with 30.39 wins to losses. Uh, color pair wise, uh, fewer drafts mean I had fewer chances to play everything. So I missed out on playing black, red, and red, green, and traditional. And the only three color deck I played was a single teamer deck. Uh, interesting, while in Premiere, I didn't really play straight Simic or Is It that often, and Boros only a couple of times. Uh, these were my preferred colors in traditional. I played Boros six times, uh, four times in Is It, four times Is It, and then three times Simic. Uh, the only two colors I played more than once. Uh, these were all roughly 50% match rate. Uh, in, in for match match win rate, uh, is it was six and six, Boros was nine and nine, and actually Simic was a little bit ahead, five and four. Uh, game rates, I came ahead with is it actually fifteen thirteen for 53.75% win rate, followed by Simic at 12 13, 48 percent, and then red white with 21 25 or 45.65 percent win rate. Uh, most other colors I played with three four or three five alongside, aside from my lone Golgari match that went five two for two one match, uh, match rate. Let's look at some of my trophy decks here. Uh, my first premier trophy deck was a 7-1 base blue-green domain build. Uh, well, it was a pack one pick two Tatiova, pack one pick one was uh, Aaron, which didn't make the deck. Um, I had a pack one pick four Niall, pack two pick four Aether Chandler somehow. Uh, I also had a Tolarian Geyser, and then I also had a pack two pack one Danitha, the white uh, legend. Um, pack two pack three Earth High Restore, Resurrected, the blue black rare legend. And then the pack three pack two red green uncommon legend, Radha Coalition World Leader. So, ended up playing a uh, you know, basically blue-green base uh, with domain, um, seven dual lands, three forests, uh, five islands, a swamp, and a mountain, uh, and then Slyfoot survey of all things to fetch everything up. Um, so yeah, that was a, that was pretty cool. Um, and then my other premier deck is kind of uh, a little bit of an opposite build to this, um, where I had like a Jeskai, uh, mostly spell deck. Um, it was it started it went seven two, and you know it started off pack one pick one with a Keldon Flame Sage, uh, pack two Leyline Biting, and then pack three Golden Argosy. So I had seen some draft videos of Golden Argosy doing. Stupid 
stupid stuff with Lewis Outriders. So I was hoping I get the main thing going, but pack one ended up being pretty much all red uh, with a slight touch of blue. Um, so you know, I did take a Johnny pack two, pack one before getting a lot more red. Uh, so Johnny didn't make the final cut, um, but I did get a Marius Outrider with no green or lands by the end of the deck. Um, but in pack three, I was able to get all of the lands um, as well as a Balmore Battle uh, Battle Mage Captain pack one, and as well as a couple of Destroy Evils and Ungiving Cavaliers and another Balmore and the Jell Storm wanted to, to round out the deck. So I wasn't sure about the deck uh, um, when when I when I came out of this. I thought it was going to like flop, uh, but somehow you know the 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 early removal plus uh, worked really well with Balmore. Um, you know I had a you know Floso Infusion, two Fires of Victories, two Lightning Strikes, Artillery Blast, Leyline Mighty, and Herloon Battle him, uh, and then kind of like outvaluing them, uh, bouncing the Murius Outrider over with a uh, with um, Golden Argosy. So somehow I pulled that game that that draft off. Uh, looking at my traditional trophies, uh, my first was a pretty cool pretty much on rails, a uh, five-color domain-based deck. Um, pack one was Rootwalla into Morrow, into Nael, into Land, into Rootwalla, into Badger, into Nael. So pretty solid uh, pretty solid green start. And then I wheeled the the, the, the rare in my first pack, uh, Academy Lore Master, uh, the blue-blue that lets you um, cast things, uh, draw extra cards um, in exchange for things costing more during your turn. Uh, pack two, pack one gave me a Bantshana. Um, so, you know, I was already blue-green, so, you know, might as well add a little bit of white. Got Loam Speaker in pack two, uh, Battle of Linebreaker pack three, land, land, and then Gaius Might land uh, for the first half of the pack. Um, nothing too spicy in pack three uh, until we got a, a pick eight Rulik Mons, the Red Green Goblin uncommon, um, and then a pick ten Marius Outrider. So with eight basic land, with eight dual lands, this deck, if this deck didn't trophy, I didn't know uh, if anything could, and this one definitely got there. Uh, again, my other trophy uh, in traditional was a little bit of the opposite side of this. It's a very streamlined red-blue aggro deck. Um, went 6-0-3-0, so pretty much like a flawless victory. Pack one, pick one, Defiler of Dreams, you know, the, the blue Defiler, uh, into Electro-Static -in Infantry, into Telerian Geyser, um, into the Phoenix Chick, into the Academy Wall, into, a comp into a, the, the First Strike Battle Trick. Um, definitely put me on that red-blue aggro cell. Um, and then, you know, I ended up uh, wheeling a Dragon Whelp, which is made for a solid pack. pack. Um, pack two, I started off with a Flowstone Infusion into Battle uh, Battle Wing Mystic, into Impulse, into another Dragon Whelp. Uh, these double Dragon Whelps were kind of insane. Um, and then pack three, pick one was Balmore into Lightning Strike, into Keldon Strike Team. By the end, I had 13 two drops, uh, which is kind of insane. Sorry, there was only three blue permanents to trigger uh, the Fowler of, Dream of, of Dreams, but it was basically just there to like have like a top end flyer and then alongside the Dragon Whelps and, and a lot of combat tricks. So usually enough to do it. Um, of course, my draft immediately after after this one, uh, I tried doing the red-blue things again, uh, probably went 0-3, so basically balanced out. Now overall, looking at my premier and traditional games combined, I went and came out to 139, 164 in games, or 45.8% win rate. So a little bit better than Streets of New Capenna, just slightly, so I'll take it. Um, and plus, I also did get four trophies, which ties my all-time total with Neon Dynasty, so uh, pretty happy there. Now, of course, this was on Magic Arena, there were, uh, uh, the, and there are some online events as well, which I didn't include for my numbers here. Um, the first qualifier weekend was sealed, um, both best of one, best of three. Best of one, I tried a bunch of times. I think uh, I have 10 
tickets uh, or 10 attempts based on 17 lands data. But Satellite only ever got as far as four, getting a 4-2 before running out of currency, so that didn't work. Uh, best of three, it took me seven times, but I got there with a 4-0 with a pretty sick Golgari deck with a Herd Migration, Braids, and Urborg Lurgrave. Um, actually started as a Soltai deck um, before I ended up dropping the blue after the first mats. Um, unfortunately, my actual qualifier day pool gave me a pretty mediocre red-green splash black dead for Lord Windgrace that went 3-1, and one, not good enough to get to day 2. Um, I did also try the October Arena Open, but oh, that was sealed, but I only was able to get as good as a 3-3 over 4 bullets, um, and, that was, and I didn't really want to waste more gems uh, on more shots, so um, basically stopped there. So this was the in online events. Now, I did also actually end up going to my local RCQ at uh, Hex & Co. West here in New York City near Columbia University, the Upper West Side. This was my first time actually playing in one of these events. And man, my biggest takeaway, like I'd been to in-person magic events like, you know, the GPs back when we had those. I played in the main events there. Um, I always, you know, would, you know, do the deck building early in the morning, go basically 0-2 and then drop maybe 1-2. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, here I wanted to get the Lava Spike Probe and because there were more than 32 people, People uh, enter that you basically needed to stay until the end of the event to make sure you would get the Lava Spike Probe since they weren't distributing them till the end. Um, so yeah, I basically ended up, uh, you know, uh, I, I I had no illusions I was going to make top eight, uh, much less win the event, um, which, you know, is fine. I have other plans for, for that weekend of DreamHack Atlanta. But I mean, the event was scheduled to start at 10. We got a little bit of a late start and then we had the whole deck building process, which took us until maybe like 1130. So our first round didn't really start until like, until then. Um, and I, I didn't get out until like May maybe 5.30, maybe 6 o'clock or so. Um, and that was even before the top eight split, basically. So yeah, I mean, I could have dropped early, but again, I wanted to get that promo. Um, my pull ended up being a domain with Herd Migration and Elder Dragon War, and as well as an Ether channel. So based, basically Teamer. Uh, most decks did seem to end. In fact, pretty much every deck I played was domain in one form or another. Overall, it went two and four over six rounds. Good for 27th place at the event, at the least. Um, so, you know, probably about on par, maybe a little bit better than, than what I've been doing in GPs before. Uh, first round, uh, my first, my opponent um, unfortunately was late due to being taking long to, to finish his deck building, so he got a game one loss, and then I beat him on the first and only game we played, so for a 2-0 technically. Um, he, he was uh, he was on domain. Um, round two, uh, my opponent Christian uh, was on domain with Tatiova, went 0-2 there. Uh, game three, I played against a guy named Caleb, another domain deck, I went 1-2. Um, in hindsight, looking at my notes, for my, I definitely punted uh, on game one, where I believe I had lethal, but I, I kind of missed the line and ended up, ended up costing me. Um, round four, I played against a guy named Daniel who started on the red-white deck, actually, but um, it turns out that he had registered that deck and that the rules are that you have to play the deck you register to start off. Um, and then uh, I ended up beating that, and then he ended up swapping to a more powerful domain build he had he had found, um, but I ended up beating that as well. Uh, round five was against uh, Richard. It was a real mirror. This one really went the distance. We went one and two. He also had a Herd Mike Grayson, and you know, we definitely had like a couple judge calls just because like, we had to run back and track like what did we do in like, in what order basically so yeah i mean that was a that was a really tiring one he was apparently on running on not a lot of sleep basically which was you know fair given like a complicated board state and then round six i played against lucas uh finished me off pretty quickly with an zero and two so not the ideal performance but again better than my first um competitive magic events um i don't think i'll be doing an rcq just because like it takes so much time uh it takes up my entire day which is not fair to my wife frankly speaking but hey nice to be able to say i did that and i did get the lava spike promo all right, so that's my experience with Dominaria United Limited. To speak on the constructed decks, um, I started actually using the typical mono red build, a little bit, up, a couple of upgrades um, using Phoenix Chick and Seven Devastators, but. Uh, 
the black text quickly took over, as everyone knows. Um, so for standard, I've mostly been just running a mono black build, pretty straightforward, taking advantage of Liliana of the Veil and Invoke Despair and Eldrazi Sleeper Agent um, with a bit of a removal suite. Um, even with Meat Hook Masquerade getting banned to try to limit the black decks, um, you know, just swap in a couple more removal spells, one for one removal spells, and it's pretty easy to get the daily wins here. I did dabble a little bit, I think, with a mono blue deck, though. I think it was a suboptimal build from MTG Goldfish. I think there's like a more optimal build out there I could be running. Um, and then, you know, I, I, there's also a mono white build I kind of want to try out just because, um, you know, if I'm not going to be doing limited, you know, for the rest of the time before Brothers War, um, and then I get a color a color uh, quest that is, you know, not mono black, basically. I want to need some other decks to, to fill that out. So um, haven't really touched Explore, frankly, since the new set came out. Since I was getting a little bit tired of playing against Grease Fang, um, I was running a combination of mono red and angels depending on my feet, on my mood, which were also kind of getting a little bit repetitive. So, um, you know, ho hopefully the Explorers Anthology ends up bringing back Monastery Swissphere, which is what I'm really missing, uh, or Monastery Swissphere and or um, Island of the Great Revel, which is what I'm really missing. Uh, from to get the to explore, so we'll see if Brothers War takes things up any over there. Alright, so this took a little bit longer than I expected, but I still definitely want to take, make time to mention uh, the CCG mobile games I've been playing and do a little bit of a design comparison between them and the full Magic experience on Arena. Uh, I, we did this a while back in one of the earliest episodes of this podcast with Lens of the which I'm no longer really playing, um, so this will be a bit of an abbreviated segment compared to that. So first off, we have the officially licensed Magic mobile game Magic Spellslingers, designed by Pipework Studios and Seismic Games. This one leads a little bit more to the Hearthstone design. Um, it did a launch in August of this year. Uh, set on the plane of Kylum, you know, the place where Battlebond is set, you choose one of the iconic planeswalkers to lead your deck, Chandra, Jace, Niz Gideon, Nissa, Liliana, and the like. Uh, each planeswalker has an uh, aura mechanic, basically, uh, and a different life total. So they're all above 20, but, you know, Gideon, I think, has a little bit more life than, say, Jace does. Um, and his special abilities um, that, that, that match up with with, you know the in uh, the magic gameplay. Uh, so for example, Chandra deals four to the opponent at the start of each game. Like very red deck wins. Uh, meanwhile, you know Gideon, if you attack with three creatures, he pops into into battle as a as a as a creature that can't uh, that that's indestructible and then goes away at the end of combat. Liliana has an ability where if a, if a creature leaves your graveyard and, and and either goes to your hand or the battlefield, which mostly comes up with this mechanic called Relentless, where when a creature dies, it can come back as a version of itself that can't block. So um, if you have a zombie, it dies, it comes back, it becomes stronger thanks to Liliana's ability. Um, you know, very much like in line with what Magic wants to do. Um, so, you know, that makes deck buildings a little bit on rails for me, right? Like each character, you know, obviously has domain color and then you can splash up splash up to six cards of a different color. So they do assign color to the cards and each card still does have like a mana cost you have to pay. Um, but, you know, the real limitation on the color pie is that, you know, you basically can only like arbitrarily limited to X cards from, you know, different different colors in your deck. Now, you know, obviously like you have cards like say, uh, like Nissa, for example, who, you know, because he's the green, the queen, green player can play any number of colors um, in the or splash multiple colors in her, in her deck. Um, so you know, but and then you can also unlock you know as you acquire them these land cards that let you you know if you're playing um, you know um, um, Ral Zarek right he's a blue red planeswalker you can play any number of red or blue cards in your deck basically as opposed to the mono white planeswalker so monocolor planeswalker so yeah uh, you know land and and you you accumulate speaking of lands you accumulate mana automatically on each turn by one very much in the Hearthstone style it's not 
by a given color. Um, but you can also use card effects to give yourself extra mana to essentially ramp ahead of time. Um, usually in the Nissa deck, for example. Um, and again, while there are cards that do things in color pie, right? Like um, red dealing direct damage, you know, white drawing you cards, black resurrecting things, and so on. Um, green buffing, you know, and having bigger creatures. Um, again, that an ability to really, you know, have that push and pull mechanic, right? Of, you know, I'm going to make increase the risk of playing my deck by having you know more unstable mana bases um having to hit multiple colors that's kind of removed and so they have this arbitrary you can only splash so much right so you only really need to care about having a good curve basically um and also having the right cards in your collection um combat is a little bit of a mix of magic and hearthstone right like in magic you don't attack creatures you attack the player directly and then the defending player chooses whether to block or not with their creature um that said you know the difference that's very hearthstone like is that one Creatures all basically have vigilance, right? When you attack, you don't tap, and that means a creature that attacked can literally block the next turn. However, to offset this, right, like Hearthstone also, when a creature takes damage either by blocking or attacking, um, you basically, they basically accumulate that damage. So a creature with, you know, uh, with like three damage, if it attacks into a, into a, a three toughness, if it attacks into a two damage creature, it takes two damage. That damage, unlike in Magic, does not clear off at the end of the turn. And so then a one power creature could then, uh, can, can, could then take care of that creature if it's attacking. So, you know, being cognizant of, of um, how what creatures you can use as chump blockers um, to maybe get rid of a bigger creature over turns and so on. Um, there are, you know, magic, uh, magic, and magic esque uh, mechanics, right? So you have like, you know, like flying, you have haste, you have reach, you have defender, you have ward, aka hexproof for a turn, as well as, you know, fight mechanics, enter the battlefield, leave the battlefield, and, you know, other keywords like relentless, which I mentioned sort of unique to the game. Um, and again, you're generally limited to only five creatures on board, which, you know, makes sense given you're playing on the mobile device. Um, there's no real instant speed interaction aside from maybe setting traps, which you play from your, you, you set ahead of time using mana you haven't used to cast creatures. Um, and then if they meet the condition on their turn, it activates the trap card uh, and then, you know, triggers it basically. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and then there's also artifacts which, you know, basically live on the battlefield and have charges which you use up once per turn. Um, now, the cool thing, the coolest thing I think is as somebody who is a magic player, knowing that, you know, shock is like this or like flame last is like this, seeing how they translate those to fit, you know, the, the spell slingers uh, game space as opposed to just being direct ports over. Now, as far as onboarding, right, you basically start off with Chandra, which, you know, makes sense. Everyone basically wants to play, um, you know, mono red and attack with everything, but you don't really get a chance to explore much beyond Chandra. You basically, you know, go through tutorial, and then the way you unlock other planeswalkers is to collect cards. Well, you get cards over the course of your tutorial, so then, okay, you get the cards, and then you can choose which of the other planeswalkers you want to unlock. They don't really guide your hand which one you want. If you happen to know which planeswalker, you know, you game style you like from playing Magic, then you can pick that but then you have to get more cards uh which you get by either opening by by opening packs or free daily rewards or of course buying them from the store um though again that's mostly through packs you know i personally got nissa and gideon um alongside the story of sandra but i really wish there was like a way for them to maybe onboard players by you know going through a, something like the color challenge where you get to play all of the different colors to get a sense of like how each color plays basically um they also also by the way instead of just planeswalkers have legendary creatures uh particularly as part of the dungeons and 
Zag is an expansion that just came out, such as Drizzt, for example. Um, honestly, I've kind of bounced off the game. I think, you know, how it compares game-wise, uh, I'll talk about how it compares game-wise to the other mobile CCG in a little bit, but I found the, the this onboarding experience, especially once, you know, I kind of got the point where, okay, I don't really want to spend, cur like, real currency, which obviously is the point in the game uh, for the developers, you know, to, to get you to spend money. Um, I don't want to spend it on packs to, like, you know, increase the number of cards I have in-game, which then will let me unlock a Planeswalker, which I haven't really played with that Planeswalker, and then I'm not going to have cards for that Planeswalker beyond the default set that they give you, basically. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it feels pretty hopeless as a free-to-play player, especially, right, since you get to play against, you know, I'm, I'm playing with the Sword of Dex, and now I'm playing people, like, with Ralph Zarek or with Kaya, right? And it's like, I don't know when I'm going to be able to get, you know, not only that Planeswalker, but also the cards that that person is playing with, playing with specifically. So, you know, the other game literally came out, this other game I'm going to talk about literally came out three days ago, but, you know, I've been uh, addicted pretty, 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 pretty hardcore since. Uh, Marvel Snap is a game from Second Dinner Studios that's been in beta for a little while, uh, for a while before launching this past week globally. Uh, the idea is that you play games using you play a game using cards of different Marvel heroes and villains who all have different costs, you know, mana costs, uh, strength, and special abilities to win two of three zones each game by having essentially more strength or more power uh, on a given zone than your opponent. Uh, each turn, each game is limited to six turns total, and each game has three zones revealed over the first three turns. Um, they have uh, field effects, which means, you know, the game is, the it's different mechanics you're playing up against the field every time. Uh, each turn, you, your new opponents automatically gain a mana, so turn one, you have one mana, turn two, you have two mana, and so on, um, before you basically, and then you basically select the cards from your hand up to that cost uh, to play, right? So turn one, obviously, you can only play a one drop, but in turn two, you can either play a two drop or two one drops if you have them in hand, right? And obviously, it goes up from there. Um, your decks are made up of 12 cards, as opposed to, oh, I did mention for spell slingers. Spell slingers are uh, decks of thirty cards uh, with fifteen up to two card, two of each card, basically. So you can either have thirty single turn or fifty or two uh, or fifteen cards double for a little bit more consistency. However, here for uh, Marvel Snap, you only have twelve cards. That's it, single turn, no doubles. Um, but over the course and then over the course of the game, you know, you start with three in hand, and then both of you draw one at the start of the turn. So you end up seeing nine cards over the course of a game, assuming no additional draw effects. Um, um, which makes it pretty consistent to see everything. Um, each game is uh, ranked because one of the core elements of the game is, as in the title, the snap mechanic. So, you know, in rank, right, like kind of like uh, you basically gain or lose points, right? So, you know, by default, you start off, you know, essentially you have one point you're betting. Uh, if you end up, if you or your opponent ends up uh, retreating from the game because you know it's a lost cost, you will either gain or one or lose uh, one point for your rank, right? And each rank takes 10 points to level up. However, right, if you're feeling, if, if, if you go all six rounds basically, uh, meaning you're kind of confident you can probably pull out a win, um, it'll go from, from one point gained to two points gained or lost. However, right, uh, if you're conf really confident and you want to you bet more, you can snap at any point in the game, and then if your opponent basically at the next uh, next round basically continues playing, um, then instead of you know instead of betting only one point before the end of the game, you're betting two. So you know, let's say I snap on turn two, um, and you, my opponent keeps on playing, 
anytime between uh, rounds three and six, uh, if I end up you know dropping, instead of just losing one, losing or gaining one point, I will lose or gain two points. Um, and at the end of the game, instead of gaining losing or gaining two points, you lose or gain four points. And then if both of you snap, right, both of you are confident, that means it's basically both of you going all in. Um, you basically are betting that you'll uh, betting before by retreating four points plus or lot plus or minus. And if you end up going all six rounds, you plus or minus eight rank points, which again out of ten to level up is pretty significant. Um, right now I'm about rank fifty or so out of a hundred. Uh, pretty easily got up to rank thirty, and then it took me about like a day or so, uh, including playing late at night to get to level forty, and then another day or so to get to level fifty or so. Though each time it is definitely getting harder and harder to rank up. Now to, to get new card. Now how they pair people up is is tied to how you get new cards. I think it's actually pretty genius, though it does have its drawbacks. Uh, first off, everyone starts off with the same twenty six starter cards, which you get after playing the tutorial and those first thirty levels or, or first you know eighteen uh, ranks or so. Uh, after that, you start you know and, and and rather than spending on booster packs to get cards, um, you know beyond those initial twenty six, um, you can level up your cards, right? So you know your you, your cards start off with you know common rarity, right? Um, and 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 then you basically use this in-game currency credits uh, to basically level and boosters, right? So you, you accumulate over gameplay. Um, by using the card, you get boosters. Credits are another in-game currency. You get through rewards and missions and stuff. Um, by using those, you basically level up the card. So, you know, maybe it goes from a normal image to an image where the character is popping out of the frame or uncommon. Maybe then you go to a rare where the, where the character has 3D art, not just, you know, a frame, frame break. And maybe you go up to what it would be like Mythic Rare, which is, you know, um, where you have, you know, the, the character has a little bit of animation in the background. And then you go up to like Legendary, right? Which, you know, uh, you, be, you basically can level up the character and they have signing, their, their name is signing. Obviously, the frame color changes as well. Um, it obviously costs more currency to go from you know uh, uncommon to from rare to from uncommon to rare, and it takes to go from common to uncommon. But when you level up, you also make progress on the collection track. And in every couple of levels, you you get you know either more collectors or credits or a mystery card, right? Um, and you know basically for the first 214 levels, there are 46 new mystery cards you get by playing the game. Um, now those 46 cards are what you would call pool one. Um, so, 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 you know, it, and it, you basically match up against people. Uh, if, if you get to uh, rank 214, which is the end of pool one, you will have the exact same collection as somebody else who also got to 214. The order may be a little bit different, right? So, for example, there's a character named Devil Dino who, um, you know, has a who is his kind of key to this one archetype called Devil Dino. Well, you know, maybe I somehow got Devil Dino, right? Like maybe rank 30 uh, or rank 50 or something. And then you got you got Devil Dino, maybe like rank 100 something, right? Um, so, you know, we got Devil Dino at different points and we could start playing the Devil Dino deck at different points as it took us longer or sort of to get more cards. But we're only ever going to play against people who have only collected within a similar bracket, basically, right? Meaning that, you know, there are cards like Deadpool, for example, who's like up in like the pool three, like rank, like, I don't know, like six, like 400 or something like that, um, which, you know, I'm not playing against any, I haven't seen any Deadpools yet um, that I'm playing against players um, because, you know, it, it wouldn't be, it, it, it wouldn't be really fair and it gives me like a nice progression where I get to learn the decks in the meta for my 
tier. And as I level up and get further along, you know, the tier, the meta changes a little bit, so I have to change my decks, but that's okay because I'm at that tier because I've collected the cards, right? The other thing is that, right, the fact that, that the progression is tied to cosmetics as opposed to actually gameplay, right? Like, you know, you can also get, uh, you can also get these variants, right? So for example, there's the normal art of Hulk, right? But you can get a chibi version of art, right? Of the Hulk also, right? So, if I, you know, say I, I, I spend, you know, 25 and 100 and 200 credits to get from common to rare uh, for my normal Hulk, well, it would top me, cost me 400, you know, to, or 300 or whatever to get to to, leg, to legend, to mythic rare. Well, instead of saving up 300, I can continue progressing along the track by leveling up my TB version of Hulk um, using 25 and 100 and 200 credit, right? So I can keep moving along as I collect these variants and, and so on. And again, these are these and then like the going from, you know, basic frame to pop out frame to 3D to animated are all just purely cosmetic. They don't actually affect the gameplay. So it's very gameplay centric, which I really enjoy, right? Um, it's not really pay to win, right? Like you can use real currency to, you know, pay to, you know, buy extra variants, which moves along the collection progress. But all that does is basically put you against other people who have a similar collection progress, right? Not people who haven't paid that yet. Um, you do get some free credit, you know, through courses, like six, six, six missions and quests over 24 hours, two eats every eight hours, um, and then free credit every 24 hours. But those are, you know, frankly pretty slow. And that's kind of like the biggest criticism of the game right now. Like, you know, I, I've kind of hit this point um, where I'm, I believe like rank, uh, I want to say like 180 or so, um, where, you know, it's just hard to to make progress because I'm not getting more credit to level up my creature, my, my, my cards basically. Um, so I'm just kind of like grinding out the rank to get currently around like rank 50 or so, um, you know, using the Marvel Snap Snap. Um, and, and my collection credit is 180, but, you know, I could easily go up to, you know, maybe collection credit, like, like, like rank level, like maybe 60 or 70, but then if I don't get new cards, right, because the, 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 the access to credit is, is gated behind quests, which only refresh so frequently unless I spend money to get currency to refresh quests, then it's going to take a while for me to get all of that. Hopefully the way they get, they can fix this economy in the future as, you know, it is a bit of a, it is stall out after that initial burst, which again, very game design, right, get them in early and then they get invested and then uh, they start slowing down. Um, it's a bit of a slowdown, not purely a drip, 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 but definitely like not as fast as before. So, um, I mean, it's still the fact that it's very gameplay-centric is something that's still keeping me in there. Uh, speaking of the gameplay, you know, comparing these two, right? So I think Marble Snap has lived up to its name in that it is very snappy, right? Uh, the games consistently take less than five minutes to play over six turns, meaning I can get in and out super quickly, right? Like, you know, oh, I have maybe like five minutes before my next meeting, not enough time to launch up a magic game, but, you know, enough time to maybe get a quick game in or maybe on the toilet or you know, I'm walking the dog, it's really easy to play with one hand, right? Um, the fact that it also has quick loading times versus spell slingers, you know, spell slingers could take up to half a minute to find the mats. Here, I think Marvel Snap has bots basically, um, which is a little bit, the gameplay is a little bit more simplistic, so therefore, you know, obviously um, it, it's pretty deterministic on, on what to play basically, so, you know, no need to respond back and forth, so you know, a bots are a little bit easier to program, so easier to keep the queues filled and, and moving. Um, the other fact that, you know, again, the gameplay is a little bit more simplistic because it's simultaneous as opposed to a back and forth with attacking and blocking and activating abilities and, and, and so on um, means that, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it, it, it makes it a little bit quicker to get through the games, right? And, you know, and, and not as much tanking on, oh, do I block this? Let me do the math real quick um, and see what's in my hand and figure out what I could do, right? Um, the snap mechanic also adds that push your luck element, which I feel is lacking uh, from spell slingers by not having the option to push 
riskier mana bases for you know better more abilities but more greedier mana bases um you know also the fact that dex and snap are only 12 cards um, but you get to see nine of them versus you know in in spell slingers you have 30 cards maybe 15 technically but who like you're, you're probably not going to see even half of that over the course of a game uh, means that you can definitely learn the lines of play and get really skill set skill intensive on on knowing the lines of play um, and what you can expect in later turns. Um, but it does keep it from getting stale by having that you know a variable zone ability where you know you have a zone turn one okay I'm going to play this and then zone two it's a different zone oh maybe I should adapt my gameplay to be like this and see what my opponent does and try to bluff them and counterplay especially with the snap mechanic. Um, so yeah and it also gives you an out right where you. Can and say, oh, you know, I totally was just, you know, lost because the, there was the variability in the uh, in the in the way that this RNZ event happened, or like the way that this um, or the way that this particular um, uh, uh, field, this zone appeared, which is really good for my opponent but not good for me. It gives you that out to say, combined with the fact that oh, you can get in the end of the game, it's like oh, okay, just one more game, okay, just one more game. Oh, I definitely had that one more game. Or oh, and then the rank system, like you get up and down. Frankly, there's a little bit of a risk there. Like, I've definitely gone up to, like, rank 45 and then gone all the way back down to rank 41. And I'm like, okay, I have to go get back to rank 45 before I go to sleep tonight, basically. So, you know, a little bit of a... If you have an addictive personality, this might be a little bit problematic. But, you know, that's something you have to keep keep an eye on there. So, um, but yeah. And, and again, you also do have agency where you can see, oh, I was losing. I got all in. And then if you have the proper risk assessment, you can say, oh, I'm probably not going to win this. I know also what my opponent can have because I know what's my meta like. Let me pull out. Let me pull out now because I think I'm going to win this. Now, okay, this sounds really harsh on spell slingers, but not to say that it doesn't have its merits, right? Again, magic light version of magic is still magic, and dealing around combat and damage and having the heavier math um, is is something different than just accumulating points on a zone. I mean, there is really cool Ludo narrative stuff, which I'm not going to get into here for Marvel Snap, but, you know, the, the magic light of, co- of being a general and, co- and dealing attacking and, and, and you know, Snap doesn't really have that. Like, yes, there are deck equivalents, like an aggro discard deck, a go-wide weenies deck, a combo deck, an ETB mid-range deck that snowballs value over time. Like, you haven't lived until you've played Odin, on a, uh, which doubles the ETB effects of your cards, on a zone with lots of ETB creatures, on a zone that happens to have an ability to double ETB effects. So, Odin will double uh, their effects, which will all trigger twice, and then Odin will trigger again, again triggering them twice. So just pure value. But, you know, again, there is that comparison, but it's not the magic-esque, you know, attacking, blocking, and so on, and, you know, kind of like the more intensive math, right? Um, And it it does give a taste of the magic mechanics in a quicker, more condensed version in bed when I don't feel like opening up my phone to to draft or dealing with 250 scoot swords on my twiggers. It's just, you know, I just wish there was a better way to unlock things in spell slingers a little bit faster. And that said, you know, there are, I, I will say that, you know, Snap does have the bigger policy behind it. I think it's a little bit more free to play friendly in terms of like, you know, knowing your collection and matching you up with people who are within your skills class collection reigns. Um, and again, also being able to get in and out of games really fast where I don't have to like waffle to my wife like, oh, yeah, this game will take me maybe 10 minutes. Like, and I can say, no, this will definitely be done in five minutes at most. Um, like I was doing physical therapy this week for like an injury I had and my therapist told me to put some ice on my shoulder to cool down um, for 10 minutes. I was able to get two games while I was just sitting there on the bench real easy. 
Um, now, if there was a criticism I have for Snap gameplay ways, I think this is a function of my card pool maybe being limited. Um, you know, the decks are the the decks are so small. Again, limits the creativity and the fact that you know you are constrained to these you know three zones, four cards per zone. Yes, that is a resource for the game. You have to manage and play around, but also Magic can just do some crazy thing. And even like in um even in like uh and yeah, you have like that crazy enter the battlefield chain I, I described. But like the fact that you know you can just go crazy wide, right? Like with Magic is 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 does feel somewhat lacking in constraint and and you know um you do get to see more of your cards and have more cards and play with snap but also like the the, in, the intricacies of, of strategy of attacking blocking and oh, and and keeping in mind different things it's just kind of, kind of a little bit lacking compared to spell slingers to some degree also the fact that the snap mechanic is so core to the gameplay means that really the only correct way to play it is to really play meta decks like you really can't really just you know, go off on crazy wild brutes. Like I was playing the go wide weenie stack of my own design early on. And then once I started, you know, plateauing out like around rank rank 35 or so, I realized if I want to rank up, I just need a net deck basically, right? And see, and maybe make adjustments based on like what cards I don't yet have and I'm hoping to unlock soon. Um, like there are a couple of other decks I want to try that I don't quite have all the cards yet, but I'm just using net decks. And, and the fact that there is no way to just play without rank, putting your rank on the line because of the snap mechanic means that it's not really great for creativity and brewing. Like at least for spell slingers, like sir, right? Like I can... Uh, I can just lose, but I'm not going to like lose rank as a result or lose a significant rank as a result of losing in spell slingers, right? I'm just constantly going forward. And as long as I make five wins per week, I get bonus quests. It doesn't matter how long it took me to get those five wins, how many losses I had. Here for, for Snap, you have to constantly be winning to keep your rank up. If you And if you play and you end up losing, you're going to have a hard time, especially if you're really uh, uh, um, liberal with the Snaps. So yeah, I mean, you know, I'd love to see more variety from Snap. I think that's my biggest criticism alongside the um alongside the uh the 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 um, the, 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 the kind of slowdown of the collection progress over time, but it is what it is. Anyway, those are my brief thoughts uh, on both Magic Spellslingers and Marvel Snap. Like I said, I haven't played Spellslingers in a while, especially since Snap came out. Um, I definitely will be grinding on Snap. Uh, again, I'm rank 50 right now, hoping to get up to, you know, get up to rank 100, right? And we'll see if I'm able to do that with my limited cards. I definitely love Arena still for sure. I mean, I still play basically every day. Um, I don't think there's any game really that has the gameplay depth that comes uh, to the same degree that Magic does in terms of its game engine. Um, not to mention its flexibility or just the creativity of self-expression through deck building, right? Like, I identify as, like, a mono-red player, right, in, in Magic, or, like, a combo player or a green rampy player, right? And you have, like, this personality around what you value, and you can have success with different decks, like, maybe not as much success, but, like, in Marvel Snap, it's just, like, so limited in, in creativity and build in building and also being able to just do crazy things, right? Like, make 250 tokens or, you know, or have your life go into the thousands and thousands and thousands, right? But, you know, if I'm in bed at night not really being able to sleep or while I'm walking the dog or in physical therapy being able to play with one hand on snap is going to, it's going to be my mobile game for a while moving forward i have it also like it's kind of taking me away from team fight tactics for a little bit though that is with the the recent set kind of getting a little stale for me but um i also, i do need to take a break though from snap though because i i've been meaning to watch anime for the new season i just keep getting sucked into snap but yeah anyway that's an epi- that's a separate podcast uh, in any case this podcast is now coming 
linkage to his resolution. Now, some questions for you for the cleanup step, right? Let me know what your experience with Dominator United has been, limited or constructed or otherwise. Um, despite my low win rate, I still definitely think it's an all-timer for Sir um, in terms of draft environments. Um, and then, yeah, let me know what you think if, about mobile CCGs, right? Like, are spell slingers and moral snap? Have you been playing them? What do you like about them? What do you not like? Do you want to hear about more CCGs or other similar uh, card games in the future? Um, I haven't really had a chance to do too many of these since I moved to a once a month episode cadence. Um, but if I have a chance to, and maybe in, a, in, a, in an episode in an episode coming up as like a secondary thing, I'd love to talk about team fight tactics and the similarities to magic drafting, right? Um, you can let me know uh, any of the answer to any of these over on Twitter at EtherVortexPod or via email at IntoTheEtherVortex at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us at IntoTheEtherVortex on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play, or leave a review on, on those podcast stores, uh, or just share with a magic-loving friend, any of that helps. Uh, my architect is, with all my necklace, is linked under the name Ninzaboy, Boris and I. Uh, the intro and outro music is provided by Kevin MacLeod. His stuff is at Incompetent.Fumas.io. Editing production by Ninzaboy Media. Until next uh, next episode, um, I believe we'll be going over Brothers War previews and what I'll be hopefully including in my decks. Um, and 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 yeah, that that's definitely looking to be a crazy set. Uh, but until then, uh, until next time, may your lands be plentiful, not too plentiful. And I pass the turn. Mm-hmm.